Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I'm very ready. Let's go! All right, let's give it a whirl! Okay, and I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who's listening, wherever you are, all over the world. We would love to hear from you and know what you think about this show. So send us a line and we will probably answer you. Uh, yes, uh, so we have uh, links to all of our social media um, posted in the description of the show. We have an email address there. Uh, please reach out and uh, let us know what you think of the show. If you have any suggestions for um, possible future Mystery History guests, we would uh, love to hear them. And uh, for all those fans who are already reaching out, uh, at the time of this recording, I've uh, had uh, two uh, people reach out to me about our mm -hmm. Dr. Holmes episode, and I uh, really appreciated uh, all of the uh, kind words that you said about that um thank you yes thank you so much um and uh for those of you if this is your first episode of history and retrograde welcome uh this is uh, quite the interesting show that uh, we've got developed over here um the way that it works is that in a moment i will give the uh data necessary to create an astrological birth chart uh, for a random historical figure to my mother uh now you, the listening audience, already know who this mystery history guest is. It is in the title of today's episode. I, of course, know who it is because I selected the person. But, Mom, do you have any idea who we're going to be talking about? I do not. I never know what's happening. And I'm just always walking around in the dark with my hands in front of me, hoping I don't fall down. And that's what makes a great show. <laughs> 
so I will uh, give that data to her. That is the uh, birth date, time, and location of our uh, random historical figure. She will input that data into the back computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all of the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment that person was born. Uh, she will then do her best uh, to give us a blind reading of this chart, telling us what she can about the person's uh, personality, their motivations, characteristics, fortunes. Uh, I will ask a few discussion questions and then reveal to her who our mystery history guest is, uh, give a little background about the person, then we'll come together at the end and see how accurate uh, the chart was at predicting uh, what that person would do. Uh, so without further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, so this is a female. All right. Uh, born on the 18th. Mm -hmm. Of December. Okay. All right. 1818. Oh, my. Okay. Please tell me there's a birth time. So I was able to find one. I'm not exactly sure how accurate it is, but um, all the rest of them gave me no birth time. So I think this is better than nothing. And this okay. is 6 o'clock p.m. All right. Very good. Better than nothing. We'll have something to work with. Okay. And where in the world? Uh, the United States. Okay. And the town? Lexington, Kentucky. So again, this is a female born on December 18th, 1818, 6 o'clock p.m. in Lexington, Kentucky. All right. Let me just make this a little bit bigger. Okay. Oh my. Wow. Um, this is a whole lot. Do you see this right here? I do. Okay. That's a lot of planets in one space. And then there's a lot more planets over here. And then North Node is here. And then Moon is here. Wow. Okay. Let's see what I can do with this. All right. So I'm just going to read through the planets really quick first. Okay. So this person has sun at 26 degrees Sagittarius, moon at five degrees Virgo, Mercury at 15 degrees Capricorn, Venus at eight degrees Capricorn, Mars at 17 degrees Sagittarius, Jupiter at 18 degrees Capricorn, Saturn at 12 degrees Pisces, Uranus at 20 degrees Sagittarius, Neptune at 26 degrees Sagittarius, Pluto at 24 degrees Pisces, North Node at 27 degrees Aries, and Chiron at 21 degrees Pisces, with their rising sign or first house cusp at 14 degrees Cancer, placing their midhaven at 26 degrees Pisces. <sighs> this is a lot. Okay, so this is an awful lot for a woman to have. Um, let's just start with the rising 
sign is cancer. So first house cusp is cancer at 14 degrees. So this person should have come across as kind of nurturing or um, kind of even uh, like a homemaker, uh, like, like, like Martha Stewart kind of homemaker. You know what I mean? Like there should be this aspect to her, but that is just how people see her because she has everything almost in her chart in the sixth and seventh house. So in, we'll just go around, but I mean, her first house cusp is Cancer. She doesn't have any planets there. Second house cusp is Leo. She doesn't have any planets there. Third house cusp is Virgo. She does have her moon there. Having her moon in Virgo would make her very feminine, but feminine in a way that is very organized, very... Like, I would almost see this lady, like, with high ruffles at her neck. Uh, she would have communication with women or somehow her mother or women are very important in her communications. Having Moon and Virgo in the third house could make her a writer. She could be... Um, you know, like literally communicating through organization of words. You know what I mean? That's how um, Virgo in the third house kind of works is um, you're very accurate at your um, communication. Okay. And her emotions are connected to that. So her emotions are also very moon in Virgo, moon in Capricorn, moon in Aquarius, these moon in Gemini. These people do not do extremely well with the kind of emotions that other signs have, like moon in Scorpio or moon in Pisces or moon in Leo or, you know, a fire sign where it's really comfor comfortable for them to express or deal with their emotions. When you have moon in Capricorn, it makes it a little bit more difficult. You want to be a little more organized, a little more put together with how you express your emotions. Okay. She has fourth house is Libra. Fifth house, nothing in there. Fifth house is Scorpio, nothing there. But <laughs> the moment you've been waiting for, she has in her sixth house, Mars at 17 degrees Sag. Uranus at 20 degrees Sag. That means those are connected. That means they are conjunct by degree. Uranus and Mars in Sagittarius. It doesn't stop there. There's more. She then has Neptune at 26 degrees Sagittarius, okay, which is conjuncting her Uranus. So it's like train cars lining up, okay, her Neptune is conjunct her sun by degree, both at 26 degrees Sagittarius. Okay. 
Then we have the last bit in this sixth house, which is her Venus, even though her Venus is in Capricorn. If this woman was not a house of fire forced to be reckoned with, I can't imagine what she could have been. And it has to do with how she works if we have the correct rising sign, if we have the correct time of birth. This is about how she does work, how she goes about tasks, um, how you approach anything that is work-related or chores or anything along that line, okay? Having all of these planets in Sagittarius would have made her very independent and possibly wild, like feral, maybe. The Venus in Capricorn in the sixth house conjunct the Venus at eight degrees of, you know, Capricorn, and then conjunct her Mercury at 15 degrees Capricorn, and that conjunct her Jupiter at 18 degrees Capricorn. This situation where her Venus is in Capricorn and her moon is in Virgo, and they're trining each other, and then by sign, her moon trines all of that Capricorn Venus and Mercury and, and Jupiter and her Mercury and Jupiter in the seventh house of partners, she could have had access to a lot of business partners, a lot of romantic partners, a lot of one-on-one -on -one partners. She is also very good at communicating with a partner because she has Mercury there. Um, the issue is that it's in Capricorn. So Mercury and Capricorn is a little bit difficult. They're very, very good at expressing themselves with business ideas and things that have to do with work and business. They're really great at that, but they're not very good. Let me rephrase that. They're not comfortable. They're not as comfortable communicating their emotions. Okay. Is any of this making any sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, then we go to her eighth house is ruled by Aquarius. Her ninth house is ruled by Pisces, which kind of makes everything wacky because your ninth house is your philosophy, your dogma, world travel, um, education, higher learning, um, university, um, research, uh, all of these things that are ruled by Sagittarius. Okay. But she has her ninth house cusp ruler is Pisces. Okay. So she has Pluto. Let me go the other way. She has Saturn at 12 degrees Pisces, Chiron at 21 degrees Pisces and Pluto at 24 degrees Pisces, all conjunct by sign in her ninth house, she must have had a very intense philosophy, dogma, religion, life path, idea of what your life path should be. Something along this line. If I'm, if, if, if 
this is her time of birth. Okay. Then she has um, Aries on her 10th house cusp. And she has North Node in Aries at 27 degrees in her 10th house, if this is correct. That would make her very, I mean, not only is all this six house stuff making her very work oriented and really, um, like Sagittarius people can be, they're very interesting because they can be very gregarious and very lovable in the way that they do their day to day, but then they because you, you don't really realize right off the bat how brilliant they are and how smart they are. Because Sagittarians are just amazingly, brilliantly smart. But they don't show it. Like some people will let you know right off the bat, you know, with their education or what have you. But Sagittarians don't usually lead with that. They're more about, you know, kind of making you laugh or, or, or you know... Um, just being kind of friendly, but this North node in Aries in the 10th house is making her, this woman, (laughs) this woman can be a scary warrior (laughs) if she wanted to be, because when you have North node in Aries, you are driven to win. You are driven to begin huge projects you are driven to conquer whether you are in a situation where you're actually like the foundation of Aries is Mars which is war so it's possible she had a career in the military but I don't know how that would be it was 1818 so maybe she helped the military some kind of way but if she didn't I would think, wow, this woman has the potential to create a corporation in 1818. So am I still on track? I mean, Aries can also just mean any sort of conflict, right? It can mean conflict, but it's in her 10th house, so it has to do with her career if this is the right time of birth. Because if this is not the right time of birth, then all of these planets are in the wrong spot. So they're not producing what we're seeing here in this chart. If you understand what I'm saying, like if she had Sagittarius rising, all of these planets would be in her first house and would make her very shiny and bright and brilliant and a big star maybe of some kind, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if the placement of these planets is correct. Right. But maybe if I know who this is, when we get to the place where you reveal it to me, we can kind of, you know, mess around with it and see what the deal is. But in this situation, no matter how you look at it, she still has North node in Aries. Mm -hmm. She still has all of these planets in Sagittarius right? Mm-hmm. And she still has all of these planets in Capricorn and she has all of these planets in Pisces. So she has very heavy Capricorn, very heavy Sagittarius, very heavy Pisces. 
and North Node is what you're driven to do. It is something that if you're really avoiding your North Node, if you're really avoiding your North Node in this life, you're having to work at it because your North Node sings to you like a siren sings to a sailor. You cannot really easily avoid it. It is something you might not be comfortable with, but it is normally what you have to do. Do you have questions? Uh, yeah. Um, how would she do with money? I would imagine she would be very good with money. She has Jupiter conjunct by sign, well, by degree. She has Jupiter conjunct Mercury by degree. And actually, she has all of these planets. <laughs> she has Venus and Mercury and Jupiter all in Capricorn. And she has Moon in Virgo. So technically, she should be good with money. But all of this Sagittarius, Sun, Neptune, Uranus, and Mars, all of that, because Sagittarians can be very benevolent with their money. So if she did have a lot of money, there would be some conflict in how she is distributing it, if that makes any sense. Because part of her wants to be very good and very frugal and very precise. And also she's got this Jupiter in Capricorn, so it could just come to her easier than it does other people, maybe. I don't know. But there is a side to her that she could be very frugal with it. But then equally as strong is that Sagittarius side that could just be like, you know, Bacchus and just want everyone to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And I know that's very, you know, not very precise, but I'm just saying this can go both ways. And it could be that maybe in her youth, she's more um, apt to be, you know, uh, you know, throw parties or whatever, or maybe that's part of her job. Maybe her job is to throw parties, maybe, um, with her money. But then maybe as she gets older, she gets more responsible, perhaps. Uh, what is her relationship uh, with her mother and her father? For mother, we go to the moon, and the moon is in her third house, which is childhood and siblings and communications and her moon is in Virgo so uh, having moon in Virgo or moon in Capricorn or moon in um, you know other signs that are not um, water signs or fire signs but I mean like having moon in Taurus would be awesome right but moon in Virgo is a little bit more difficult it makes your mother more um, organized and make sure you're clean and that your, you know, clothes are hemmed correctly and pressed. It's a more, um, organized. Is that, I don't know. It's Virgonian, you know, so Virgos are very, very good. They're, they're, you know, so a Virgo mother would want her children to look good and behave, you know, like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Not like, you know, and in the third house, it could be 
um, I don't know, maybe there were more siblings and she had to be really organized because she had a certain amount of brothers and sisters that had to be organized and taken care of. I don't know. But her moon, her emotions could be connected to writing or communicating through words different than like a moon in, in Gemini, which would be communicating through the air, if that, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the father. Okay, so the father, we go to the son. So her father is very connected to all of this Sagittarius. And her father, to her, could have seemed very... I mean, he could have been, you know, a university professor. He could have been a uh, vigilante. He could, you know, these Sagittarian things. Most uh, university professors are vigilantes in their own mind. <laughs> I think you're talking about your graduate school experience, Shannon. But um, I, I think that uh, he could have been a very great philosopher, um, hard worker. It's in the sixth house, you know. So, I mean, we don't know for sure what her father, what sign her father was, but we look to the sun to see the, the way that that particular um, relationship kind of played out, you know? Mm-hmm. So in a Sagittarius way, he might have been a traveler. He might have been uh, someone who did business with people around the world. It has to do with Sagittarian things higher education um how would she decorate a house well again if this is correct then she has uh her fourth house cusp is libra or right here see where it is libra and um it would have i would assume it would be very uh venusian very um very pretty, very uh, comfortable in a not like a cancer way that is like, oh, here's some really super soft, fluffy pillows, but more pretty, you know, comfortable, pretty like a daisy. If I could really like really pretty, but kind of natural, if that makes any sense, she would have good fashion sense. If this is correct. Do you know what I mean? Like she would be able to decorate her home really pretty. And what kind of clothes would she wear? Well, she has cancer rising. But she also has all of these planets in Sagittarius. Her moon is in Virgo, which squares that. So this could go either way. Sagittarius can be very rebellious. So if everybody else is wearing that, she might wear this, which is probably not acceptable. That's a possibility. Uh, or if we're going with this cancer rising, then she would look very sweet and nice and pretty, you know, well put together. Um, 
in, in that in that way, you know. For this person, if we are dealing with someone with cancer rising, soft, um, a soft look, maybe. But she is north. <laughs> if we're going to go strictly with 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 um, first house cusp, then she should look soft. Okay. Uh, she got a lot of fire over here. <laughs> and her north node is in Aries trining all of this. So there's that. But she has this, she's very bipolar. She's got all of this fire and fight. And then she has all this creativity. And then she has all of this business sense, you know? Because this is a lot of creativity right here. And issues with creativity in higher learning. In, and, 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 you know, like Chiron is the wounded healer, so... Her, and she's got Chiron conjunct Pluto by degree, which is a lot of power in healing, but healing through Neptunian things, imagination, um, uh, again, like con connecting this imagination with this moon in the third house in Virgo as a writer, because they're actually opposing each other. So there would be a lot of energy there, you know, and her Saturn, you know, also being there, being the planet of lessons and time. And there's a lot going on here. <laughs> this is not a person who is easy. I wouldn't think, I would think that this person was very intense, but intense Kind of in a way that I think I would like. How would she handle um, loss and grief? Well, um, that's difficult to say because you're dealing with emotions, which would be the moon, okay? So if we want to go to how we feel emotions, how we portray our emotions, then she has moon and Virgo, which is going to be more reserved in how she expresses emotions in general, even joy. You know what I mean? She has Venus and Capricorn, which is also Venus is how you express how you feel. Right? And it's in Capricorn, very reserved. So the planets that represent her emotions and how she portrays them are very reserved. So I would assume that she would grieve, but not be like just, you know, throwing herself to the ground, I would assume. It would be suffering. She would suffer. You know what I mean? And, but try and keep that inside? Well, here's the thing. If she's grieving over something that has happened that is wrong, she could go fight it because she has North Node and Aries in the 10th house. So it all depends. Like, if she has lost a child then she's going to suffer greatly if she loses a spouse. 
she's going to suffer greatly, but I can't imagine that she's going to be screaming at the top of her lungs, crying in the street. You know, this woman seems to be able to have composure if this is the right rising sign. If it isn't, then we're dealing with a whole different animal, you know? Mm -hmm. What would she look for in a romantic partner? Here we go to Mars for a romantic partner. And she has Mars in Sagittarius. But she also has Sun in Sagittarius. So you could venture to say that she would be looking for a romantic partner that was very adventurous or gregarious or very smart, very a traveler perhaps, but also similar to her father because she has sun here. And that should be no matter what her rising sign is. So a fiery guy, kind of man's man, a beastly man, maybe. (laughs) Is this an ambitious woman? I would imagine so. Yes. Very ambitious. But also in this situation, there's something about this, this intense creativity or knowledge of otherworldly things or maybe psychic ability or just maybe very creative, but there's a lot going on here when you have Pluto conjunct Chiron conjunct Saturn in Pisces in the ninth house. There's something very specific about that if it is in the ninth house. Creatively, creativity, instinct, Neptunian, imagination, very powerful imagination. How would she handle um, a uh, a romantic rival? Well, she does have North Node in Aries, so she could just cut them out at their knees and go on about her business. Because, uh, but I don't know for sure what house this is in. Because if she does have Capricorn on the seventh house. And her her Jupiter and her Mercury are there. And this Jupiter and Mercury are trining her Venus. Capricorns can be really good at turning the tables on someone who's done them wrong in a way that makes them look like they didn't really do anything. It just happened. I don't know how that happened, but oh my, isn't that sad? What was her childhood like? Again, if we have this, you know, correct rising sign. um, It's kind of hard to say because she only has moon and Virgo in the third house, which would maybe have made her kind of studious. Third house is your elementary school, um, your siblings. Uh, She might have even had to kind of organize the household in a way. Um, Fifth house is Scorpio. 
So with that, it could be unique and different. Scorpio is very protective and very emotional. Uh, they don't show it. <laughs> Their emotions are very intense, but they don't show them outwardly unless it becomes necessary. Most likely to protect someone they really care about or to prevent something from harming someone or you know what I mean there or if they need to be you know if there's revenge involved because you don't want to be on that end of a Scorpio they have no boundaries so um I I that's really I mean there's not really anything in these houses for me to go by um, what sort of education would she have? In this chart, her ninth house is Pisces, and she has Pluto and Chiron and Saturn there. So, with it being 1818, I would venture to say that she was in some situation where perhaps she was educated by people at the church, maybe. Um... I don't know. I mean, I think women were mostly just teachers in the early 1800s. Or they were, um, you know, nuns. Or there's something about this religion and higher education, if this is the right birth time. So I, that whole education thing is based on the ninth house. But she also has a lot of planets in Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is about education. So she might have just taken it upon herself to educate herself, because she has Mars conjunct Uranus conjunct Neptune conjunct Sun in Sagittarius, the sign of higher learning and research and philosophy and all of those things so there's that even if we don't know what the houses are she does have a lot of stuff in Sagittarius I would imagine that she was either self-taught or she figured out a way to learn the things that she wanted to learn how would others see her well she has so much Sagittarius and Capricorn in her chart more Sagittarius than anything else. I would assume that they would... It's possible that this woman was very feral. And she was a wild thing. And people didn't really know what to do with her. Because she's got that North Node in Aries in the 10th house. And she's got all that Sag. There's so much fire here. So much fire. I just can't imagine that she was demure or really tameable. Um, is there anything you could tell me about what her relationship to mental illness might be? Oh, she could be crazy as a bed bug. The reason is because, okay, so she has Pluto conjunct Chiron conjunct Saturn. In Pisces, which is ruled by Neptune, which is illusion. 
and mental illness, worst case, um, alcoholism, drug abuse, okay? So, with that said, if she went down the wrong path, or if she was born with some kind of affliction, she could just be as batty as they come, you know, just hearing voices and seeing apparitions and all of the above, you know, and with that happening, she could be um, very fiery about it, very, um, very, uh, ride right up into it like get in your face and tell you that you need to understand that these apparitions are real and that everyone should listen to her kind of thing there's that that could happen um what kind of wife and mother would she be again it is very possible that she is pharaoh Okay, so how she goes about her day-to-day as a wife and a mother could be very fiery. But the good side of that is that she could be very, I don't know, it's really, Sagittarius can be a lot of things. They can be very honest. They can be very um brilliant they can be they can be a wild card i think more than anyone else in astrology sagittarius is the wild card but her venus and her mercury and her jupiter are in capricorn which might calm her down a little bit and all of that capricorn sextiles all of that pisces man she's got that north node somebody would need to be able to deal with her in other words she's not your average sweet now this one she needs somebody who can handle her and what do you mean by handle to not necessarily like physically control her but someone who can maybe channel all of that fire to some direction you know not dramatize it not fight not fight it you know but the best person for her would be someone who could channel all that fire for her um is there anything else about this chart uh, that you haven't talked about already well it again It is very difficult when we don't know for sure what the birth time is. I will say that this woman, no matter what her rising sign is, okay, she still has moon in Virgo, which would make her, should make her organized with her emotions. She does have Pluto, Chiron, and Saturn all conjunct in Pisces, which would make her very creative It could make her um, have a wonderful, magical imagination. 
She could be very in tune with metaphysical things. She could be very, she could have abilities. She could have uh, psychic abilities. She could have, she could be a medium. I mean, she has that option. She has North Node in Aries, which is going to make her very driven. Okay. And it's at 27 degrees, which puts it close enough to Taurus to make her not only very driven, but very stubborn about it. Like you can't stop her. She's just going to keep going. You might as well just try to help steer or do something. Um, she has Jupiter, Mercury, and Venus conjunct in Capricorn, which is going to make her really business smart. It should make her be able to communicate about business and be able to do it in a way that is big. Like that Jupiter makes all of that other Capricorn, the Jupiter makes the Mercury and the Venus bigger because wherever Jupiter is, it's going to make it bigger, like big. So she has that no matter what her rising sign is. And then she has a pillar, a mountain, a bonfire of fire with all that Sag. So getting her to sit still, not travel, not research, not discover would be practically impossible if she's doing the light side of all that Sag, you know. The dark side would just be, she's a cave woman. She's a wild, feral beast, you know? So I don't know if any of this makes any sense, but I would like to see what this woman does. I mean, I would really like to sit back and just go, open the gate. Just open it. Let's see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this time, are uh, you ready to hear the summary of uh, our findings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, first thing you said is that she'd be very nurturing and a good homemaker, uh, someone like Martha Stewart. Um, and but that is how she is seen, um, right. meaning that might not be exactly who she is, but others can see her in this nurturing way. Yes. Um. She could be a very fiery, uh, but in an organized way. Uh, mm -hmm. You said you pictured her with high ruffs on her neck. Um, right. And that there's something to do with communication with women, uh, written communication. Mm -hmm. um, she would, might not be able to deal with emotions very well. Um, mm -hmm. she, uh, may need to have her emotions, uh, need to be, uh, put together, uh, when expressing her emotions, uh, expressing emotions in an organized fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, she could be a house of fire, a force to be reckoned with, very independent, wild, feral. Mm -hmm. Um, she has, uh, access to a lot of partners, uh, business, romantic, uh, lots of one-on-one -on -one relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, she'd be good at communicating with partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, she would not be comfortable with emotions. Uh, mm -hmm. very intense, uh, philosophy, dogma, religion about a life path. Mm -hmm. Um, 
people might not be able to realize the intelligence that she has. Uh, she may mm -hmm. be able to be so genial uh, with people that they don't realize um, that there's a deeper intelligence there. Uh, mm -hmm. She could be a scary warrior, someone driven to win. Uh, she could begin huge projects. Mm -hmm. she, be, might, she might be good with money. Um, mm -hmm. She might be benevolent with money. Uh, mm -hmm. There may be a conflict with how she distributes money, and she could end up being very frugal. Uh, when she's younger, she may uh, entertain more mm -hmm. and throw parties, but as she grows older, she becomes more responsible with her money. Mm -hmm. Her mother would appear to her to be very organized, uh, had to be very organized. Maybe there are a lot of siblings in her life that needed to be organized. Um, there are emotions uh, that are, are connected uh, towards the father, uh, and the father would be an intellectually minded person. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the house uh, would be decorated very pretty, very comfortable, um, with uh, natural decorations. Uh, she would mm -hmm. have a good fashion sense. Uh, there... Uh, she she could be uh, very fashionable, um, or she could be very rebellious in her fashion. Um, mm -hmm. She either rebellious or very sweet, pretty, well put together, uh, a soft look. Uh, this is a person who is conflicted. There's a bipolar quality to them. Uh, they mm -hmm. can be sweet and they can be fiery. They can be organized and they can be creative. There mm -hmm. are issues with creativity. Mm -hmm. uh, she'd be able to heal people with imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not an easygoing person, a very intense individual. Mm -hmm. uh, she'd be reserved in how she expresses her emotion. Uh, when uh, moments of grief come over, she would be more likely to suffer inwardly. Um, mm -hmm. She would uh, maintain her composure. Uh, she could be a very ad uh, adventurous, uh, gregarious, um, and she might be wanting someone uh, in a romantic partner who is adventurous, gregarious, and smart. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Someone who reminded her of her father. Someone who may be fiery. Someone who may be a beastly man. <laughs> um, she is uh, an ambitious woman. Uh, there is the possibility of a psychic ability within her. Uh, she would have a powerful imagination. Uh, if there were some sort of romantic rival in her life, she'd be able to take them on head on. Mm -hmm. uh, the, but at other times, she may be able to uh, be more conniving or be more strategic in how mm -hmm. she would combat rivals. Strategic, yes. Uh, she would be, uh, she might have a very studious upbringing. Um, be able to, at a very young age, organize the household. Mm -hmm. um, religion and doctrine tied to education. Uh, she may have educated herself. Uh, she could be very wild. People did not know what to do with her. Mm -hmm. She would not be demure. Uh, she mm -hmm. would not be tameable. Mm -hmm. um, she could be crazy as a bedbug. Mm -hmm. uh, she could hear voices, see apparitions, and be very fiery about her visions. Mm -hmm. She is not your average sweet Nell. 
and she mm-hmm. would need to find someone who could channel all of her fire into the right direction. Mm-hmm. Need to find someone who would not fight that fire. Uh, need someone who could help her in organizing her emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is very creative, could have a magical imagination. Uh, she would be in tune with metaphysical things. She'd be very driven and very stubborn. Uh, she could be business savvy. Uh, she'd be able to communicate in a big way. And it is impossible for her to stay still. Right. It's really hard for her to be still. And I also wanted to say that you asked me previously about what her house would look like. And it's really difficult because um, I don't know for sure if she really does have this cancer on her ascendant. But if she does have cancer as her ascendant, then her second house is Leo. And Leo, second house rules, you know, is ruled by Venus. And that's things that you like. So it is possible that she could like things that are very Leo-ish. Okay. Dramatic things that she likes, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that's what's all over her house. But when you have Leo in the second house, you like dramatic things, theatrical things, bigger than life things, gold, lots of gold, because gold is the color of the sun, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, then I was going to try to touch on something else that you said. And I'm sorry, I can't remember what it is, but there's that. Would you like to know whose chart you've been looking at? I would, and I really, really, really hope I know who it is. This is the astrological birth chart of Mary Todd Lincoln. <gasps> no! Oh. Oh my gosh. I'm just sitting here trembling right now. Wow. Oh my, that is very intense. I almost want to start crying right now. Oh my goodness. Well, that makes a lot of sense, huh? Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, Chandler, tell us about Mary Todd Lincoln because I love her. I, I, I mean, you know... It's Mary Todd Lincoln, so we know there's issues, but wow. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about her. So uh, Mary Todd Lincoln was born Mary Todd in uh, De- on December 13th, 1818 in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, her father was Robert Todd, and her mother was Eliza Parker Todd. She was the fourth of seven children born to uh, those parents. Um... Her father was a planter, uh, was well off, and uh, was a slave owner in Kentucky. Um, and uh, he had a very liberal idea of education for the time and wanted to make sure that all of his daughters had a progressive uh, education, the best that he could possibly give them. Wow. Um, Mary suffered uh, very early in life at just age uh, six. Um, her mother passed away. Um, at the age of eight, her father remarried a woman named Betsy and had nine more children. Uh, as she grew up, uh, she attended, uh, Madame Mintel's, uh, finishing school. When she was there, uh, she had multiple years of studying French, 
literature, dance, mm-hmm. drama, mm-hmm. music, social graces. Uh, she uh, was known to be someone who was very vivacious, uh, mm-hmm. who had a very quick temper and a quick tongue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, her sisters described her as someone who was high strung. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of the most uh, eligible uh, bachelorettes uh, in Kentucky. Uh, while she was there, she was courted by a young Kentucky lawyer named John C. Breckenridge. We'll mm-hmm. uh, put a pin on that, and we'll come back to Mr. Breckenridge in a little bit. Mm-hmm. At the age of 21, she decided to move and live with her older sister, Elizabeth, who lived in the town of Springfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, she was courted by all of the eligible bachelors in Springfield, Illinois, including a very short man. Uh, I believe he was just 5'2". Uh, And he uh, was a very tastefully dressed, someone who had all the social graces about him, a very elegant young man named Stephen Douglas. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll also get back to him in a little bit. But uh, Mm -hmm. there was uh, another man who she would meet. Well, she'd meet a lot of men while she was in Springfield, Mm -hmm. Illinois. At one point, one of her court, uh, one of the men trying to court her uh, said uh, that she could make a bishop forget his prayers. Oh, my. Uh, So she would go to all of the dances uh, in uh, Springfield, Illinois, and uh, at one of these dances, there was a very tall, lanky man. He was 6'4". He towered above the rest (laughs) of the people in there. And uh, the sister actually saw him first and uh, said, oh, well, Mr. Lincoln, uh, he's quite well dressed. He's actually wearing matching socks today. Oh, my. And Abraham Lincoln was the man, and he uh, crossed the dance floor, and uh, he came to uh, young Mary Todd and said, I want to dance with you in the worst way. Oh, my. And Mary uh, explains later on that that is exactly how he danced. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Not uh, the most graceful of people, our uh, 16th president. Um, so uh, she decided to engage him in sparkling conversation. And uh, Abraham Lincoln was not one who was great at that either. Um, but during the course of the conversation, he explained that he was teaching himself geometry and that he was studying Euclid and teaching himself. Wow. Uh, For Mary to have actually had a a much stronger education than this man, um, Mm -hmm. this was something that really impressed her. Um, Mm -hmm. If you took all of the time that Abraham Lincoln had uh, spent in school, it would equal about one year. She had spent her entire upbringing in school and educating herself, and so was very impressed by this young man that, uh, having spent so much time uh, working, had actually made himself uh, into a lawyer and was now teaching himself geometry. And the two hit... It's very impressive. Mm -hmm. And the two hit it off very well, and the very next day, Abraham Lincoln went to uh, Mary's sister's house carrying the Euclid book uh, that uh, he was studying from. Mm -hmm. And then as the days progressed, he continued to visit uh, the uh, home of Mary's sister. And eventually he ended up leaving the book at home. Oh. 
so uh, they uh, had a, a very wild uh, courtship at one time. Uh, they actually called. They were going. They were engaged, and then they called the uh, wedding off. Uh, that oh. happened on New Year's Day of 1842. Uh, oh. And then, uh, just 11 months later, um, in November of 1842, uh, they managed to patch things up and they were going to get married. They were going to elope, uh, run away to uh, the uh, uh, minister's uh, uh, place to, to get married. Uh, but Abraham Lincoln uh, let it be known to his future brother-in-law that this was going to happen and Mary's sister would have none of it. Oh. And so they uh, hastily prepared a wedding uh, for the young couple themselves, and it happened in the mm-hmm. very house that she had been living in, uh, in that parlor. Uh, mm-hmm. And so on November 4th of 1842, uh, Mary Todd uh, became Mary Todd Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, lived in a boarding house in Springfield uh, until uh, their first child was born, uh, named after her father, Robert Todd Lincoln. Uh, she decided that an 8 by 12 room uh, was no place to raise a family. And so uh, they would have to uh, have a real house uh, in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and they would have three more boys there. Uh, so in addition to Robert, there'd be Eddie and Willie and Tad. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, she had to spend a lot of the time raising the children because uh, Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer, and back then lawyers were expected to go wherever the court was meeting. So he was traveling mm-hmm. all over Illinois um, and would leave uh, the the home uh, for months at a time. Oh, my. Um, but... During his time as a lawyer, his uh, star began to rise and more and more people became uh, familiar uh, with this uh, young, lanky man. And uh, she supported him in every effort that he had uh, in both of his, his law practice and eventually the political arena. Uh, in the year 1858, uh, there uh, was a uh, election for Senate that was held. Uh, the Democratic candidate was none other than that 5-2 man uh, who was very elegantly dressed, who had once courted uh, young Mary, Stephen Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Republican candidate was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, They uh, went on a course of debates called the Lincoln-Douglas debates, uh, where the topic of the time was slavery and how slavery would be or not be expanded into the Western territories. Uh, Stephen Douglas uh, was uh, someone who was a very much supporter of popular sovereignty, that these new states coming in in the West should be able to vote on whether or Mm -hmm. not uh, they would keep African-American human beings in bondage. Um, And... Abraham Lincoln said that that's not that the Western territories should be free of slavery. And he Mm -hmm. said that there was a great um, uh, reckoning that was coming, that a house divided Mm -hmm. upon itself cannot stand. That comes from these Lincoln-Douglas debates. Um, Abraham Lincoln did not win the election. Stephen Douglas won the election. He became Mm. uh, the senator from Illinois. But everyone took note of this young candidate. And just two years later, there was a presidential election. And they, the Republicans met in Chicago, and they nominated Abraham Lincoln as uh, their nominee for the presidency. Uh, the Democrats also took notice of Stephen Douglas and that he actually won that election. Uh, so mm-hmm. this would be a very good rematch. And so they nominated Stephen Douglas to be the Democratic nominee for president. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there were other Democrats in the South who did not like Lincoln, and they did not like Douglas. And mm-hmm. so they nominated another man, a man from oh. Kentucky. His name was John Breckinridge. Oh, no. So the 1860 <laughs> election, oh, no. uh, well, three of the candidates running all had courted Mary Todd Lincoln. Wow. Uh, now, uh the as the results started to come in in November of 1860, Abraham Lincoln was in the uh, uh, telegraph office seeing the results come in, and as the, they were being tabulated, and it became clear that he had actually won the majority of uh, the electoral votes needed to be president, he ran out of the telegraph office saying that there is someone who's going to be much more excited about this than I, and he ran to the house and he said, "Mary." We have been elected president. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated in March of 1861. By that time, uh, at least seven states in the uh, Union had seceded uh, the, uh, uh, and formed their own country known as the Confederate States of America. Uh, in the months to come, uh, several more states would join. Abraham Lincoln was determined to keep these states in the Union, and so the Civil War began. Uh, This really uh, led to uh, Mary's not having influence that she once had over Abraham Lincoln. They were uh, working together through most of his time going rising up the ladder into the presidency but um once he was president he was always at, uh being uh, uh advised by his cabinet members and by generals about the war and so she felt a little bit of distance um between herself and abraham um there was also quite a bit of distrust uh, among uh, Washington society about her. Uh, so uh, because she had come from Kentucky, which was a, a slaveholding state that did not secede from the Union, but certainly lots of people in Kentucky had sympathies for the Southern cause. And mm-hmm. not only was it just anybody in Kentucky, it was a lot of members of her own family. Eight out of 14 of her siblings would support the Confederacy. Four of her brothers would fight for the Confederacy, and two of them would die for the cause. A lot of people saw this that if her family are supporting the enemy, then she must be the enemy herself, and she must Mm. be a Confederate spy and must be treated Mm -hmm. as such. Mm. Uh, This brought her into a, a... Deep depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part of this that uh, part of this story is that one of the children had passed away before Abraham Lincoln had been elected president. That is mm-hmm. Eddie, so she was already in a, a fragile emotional state. Mm-hmm. The way that she would try and get herself out of uh, this state was by doing her job. Her job as the first lady was to make a uh, a, a welcome uh, a place for entertaining uh, the president mm-hmm. of the United States to entertain dignitaries. Uh, mm-hmm. The White House had not been redecorated in many years. Um, mm-hmm. She said that many of the uh, uh, couches and, and uh, drapes were threadbare. Uh, oh and so she took it upon herself to do what a first lady is supposed to do and redecorate the White House. 
Mm-hmm. But it was not going to be just any decorations. It was going to be mm-hmm. the nicest and the finest. She had mm-hmm. drapes made in France, chandeliers mm-hmm. and from Bavaria, mm-hmm. um, new mm-hmm. china, um, all sorts of uh, wallpaper, uh, uh, all sorts of things coming in. Now, while this was her job, to many who already felt um, uh, uh, weary of her and uh, her family alliances, now saw this woman who was spending thousands of dollars in wartime. Mm -hmm. This was a time when Union soldiers did not have uh, the correct equipment. They did not have shoes or blankets, and now she is spending all this money on the White House. Uh, Mm -hmm. So this, again, did not endear her to Washington society. Um, she also, uh, in addition to this, that the, there was some sort of maybe compulsion involved with the shopping that she was doing. Uh, she bought thousands of dollars worth of jewelry, um, most of which she never even wore. Um, she mm-hmm. had a, uh, she would end up buying dozens of gloves every week, dozens of pairs of gloves every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of the way that she was able to exact agency in her life in this time where her husband is getting pulled away. She has already lost Mm -hmm. one son. Um, Mm -hmm. But this was a a realm that she was able to control, and so she spent money. Um, And Mm. again, that did not endear her to Congress or to Washington society. Mm -hmm. During the war, um, there is one notable story or the one that I'd like to share that comes from a trip that Lincoln took to one of the battle sites. While he was uh, uh, surveying the battlefield, he was uh, doing so with uh, General Ord. Uh, General Ord had uh, a young wife of his own, and Mrs. Ord uh, took it upon herself uh, to uh, ride on a horse next to President Lincoln. Oh. Mrs. Lincoln uh, had a very dreadful uh, carriage ride to the battlefield. She actually hit her head multiple times um, during the carriage ride, and uh, it is possible that this caused later complications, this very carriage ride. She then exits the carriage ride, and she sees her husband talking uh, with another woman, uh, Mm -hmm. both of them riding horses together. Uh, she went to uh, General Grant, General U.S. Mm-hmm. Grant, and said that I would like General Ord to be relieved of duty. Uh, General Grant did not acquiesce in her requests, and in fact, she was put back onto a carriage and taken back to Washington. Uh, After this uh, uh, carriage ride, uh, she actually started to develop uh, very uh, painful migraines, Mm -hmm. and she had a very hard time uh, uh, communicating with the doctors what was going on. She would get, the doctors would examine her, and she would say that there's there's an Indian shaman, and Mm -hmm. he is pulling wires out of my eyes. Yeah. And uh he is he is taking bones out of my face. Yeah. The doctors had no way of understanding what she was trying to communicate and so right. started to keep files together saying that she was um not of sound mind. Right. Then uh there another son passed away, uh Willie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Willie passed away, and although no family is supposed to have favorites, it is most likely that Willie was both Abraham and Mary's favorite Aww. son. 
uh, he died of uh, cholera from drinking mm. uh, the water from the Potomac. Mm. She fell into an absolute deep depression, was absolutely yeah. immovable. She could not even attend the child's funeral service. Yeah. Uh, she had um, neglected uh, their son that they were raising still, Tad. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham Lincoln had to get a nurse to take care of him. At mm-hmm. one point, uh, she was so inconsolable that Abraham Lincoln was trying to talk to her and try and, and, and get her out of this. Mm-hmm. And he said that if you are not able to pull yourself together, then you will have to go visit that other White House. And out in the distance was the insane asylum that was also uh-huh. white. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, as the, uh, the the war continued on in the North's favor and things started to look up, um, she was able to regain some composure. Mm-hmm. Um, she... Uh, 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 the they would eventually uh have another election the election of 1864 which happened in the middle of the war and lincoln was reelected to be uh president uh again and uh he uh, was inaugurated in march of uh, 1865 and very shortly thereafter uh robert e lee surrendered at appomattox courthouse and it looked like uh, the nation was finally starting to come back together mm-hmm. um Things seemed uplifting. Uh, At one point, uh, Abraham Lincoln came to Mary and said, once this term is over, um, we'll be able to travel. We'll be able to see things that we've never seen before, things that we've always wanted to see together. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, uh, one fateful night, uh, Abraham Lincoln had a dream of his own. Uh, He had a dream that uh, he was in the White House and he heard uncontrollable sobbing. Mm-hmm. And he went into uh, the parlor of the White House and he saw a casket there. Yeah. And there was a Union soldier guarding it. And he said, who has died? And mm-hmm. the soldier said, don't you know, the president has died. Yes. He told that dream to Mary. And mm-hmm. um, Mary uh, knew to think something of this dream, but put on the face of saying that it was just a dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, encouraged uh, him to go to uh, the theater the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were going to see a play that they had already seen before, uh, Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater on uh, April 14th of 1865. Uh, in the uh, middle of the play, well, well actually, I, I want to tell this part first, that um, they were supposed to go with uh, General Grant. Uh, but General Grant had declined to go that evening. There were others, uh, other couples that they had asked to go, other Union generals, others who they had asked to go uh, see the uh, play, and they all had mm-hmm. declined. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and eventually, uh, Mary decided that maybe they should not go see the play. And, and Abraham mm-hmm. Lincoln said, no, the theater manager expects us to be there, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to disappoint him. Right. And so they did go. And uh, in the box that, where they were watching uh, the play, uh, John Wilkes Booth, who was an actor uh, and very familiar with Ford's Theater, uh, climbed up to the box and uh, shot the president. Uh, mm-hmm. He then uh, leapt off the stage or leapt off the box onto the stage, mm-hmm. breaking his leg when he did so, yelled mm-hmm. out six Semper Tyrannis and then uh, ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Abraham Lincoln was taken to a uh, house uh, across the street and laid out on a bed that was much too small for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, There, uh, the cabinet ministers who had survived the conspiracy of that night, along with Union generals and doctors, tended to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, as the doctors were reaching inside of his skull and poking mm. around at the open wound, um, they gave the prognosis that it was very uh, uh, poor, that he was not going mm-hmm. to survive. And Mary cried out, uh, oh, my dear God, am I to lose my husband? And one mm-hmm. of the doctors or generals turned around and said, get that woman out of here. Yeah. Uh, she was taken to uh, the room next door, and she was not present when uh, Abraham Lincoln passed on April 15th. Mm-hmm. Now, having lost uh, two children and uh, her husband, she fell into an even deeper depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the ensuing years, was able to get out of it. And she was able to do... Uh, go back to something that she had loved, and that was campaigning. Um, mm-hmm. There was always a cause that she cared about. There was always, most of that time, it was her husband and his causes. And so she had built up uh, quite a lot of contacts in Washington. Uh, she had found herself falling on hard times and uh, was uh, uh, very fearful and almost paranoid of becoming destitute and poor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so in 1870, she campaigned for there to be a pension given to her and her family of $3,000 a year. Mm-hmm. as the equivalent of around $61,000 today. Mm-hmm. And she won. Uh, the congressman uh, in Washington agreed that uh, the first lady and the husband of the commander in chief should be given uh, a pension. Um, in 1871, uh, her third son passed away, mm. uh, Tad. Um, by this time, her only remaining son, Robert Todd, had noticed uh, her peculiar behaviors, uh, the paranoia. She was always talking about um, uh, uh, schemes against the family or, or uh, people had stolen things from her and then returned them. Um, mm-hmm. And she continued in her erratic purchases, um, buying dresses and jewelry that she never intended to wear. And she constantly had visions. Um, Mm -hmm. At one point, she had the vision that Robert was going to be assassinated. And Mm -hmm. uh, she went to Robert and told him this. And after this is when he decided to begin proceedings to um, find her of not sound mind uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in a legal definition. And so a hearing was held on May 20th, 1875. um, And uh, the jury uh, found that she was not of sound mind and they committed Mm -hmm. her to a private insane asylum Mm -hmm. where she uh, was for three months. Uh, It was not long that she was in there before she started her next campaign to get out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so she wrote letters to lawyers, to supporters, to the press, uh, Mm -hmm. saying that uh, she was indeed of sound mind. And after three months, she was released from the insane Mm -hmm. asylum and taken into the care of her older sister Elizabeth and her husband. And Mm -hmm. she was taken to the very house that she had gone to in Springfield, Illinois, where uh, she uh, had lived when she first uh, uh, went there. 
throughout the late 1870s, she uh, uh, was a she left Springfield, went to New York, went to France, went all over mm-hmm. Europe. Um, and then again in 1881, uh, she campaigned uh, uh, for more um, money to be given to the Lincoln family um, uh, in a pension. And she was again granted uh, a, an increase um, in, in funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, her her f- health started to fail. She had intense glaucoma, and mm-hmm. uh, so because her eyesight was so poor, she began to fall uh, a lot. No. Um, and then eventually, in uh, 1882, uh, she fell again, and uh, she fell uh, into a coma, and then uh, she passed away at the age of 63. Uh, she passed away and was laid out um, in the parlor of the very home uh, of her sister in Springfield, Illinois, the very room that she had married Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Um, Mary Todd Lincoln uh, has, through the years, people have pointed to the fact that she was institutionalized and and pointed to her erratic spending as signs that she was uh, mentally incompetent, that she um, had some sort of mental illness. Um, now, it, scholars are starting to look back at what she was doing and realize that she was just a woman outside of her time, that mm-hmm. uh, she did not conform to what uh, the gender expectations of the time were. Uh, she mm-hmm. was a very fiery person who wanted uh, uh, to get things done in her own way. And uh, the only ways that she was allowed to do things was in this area of uh, mm-hmm. decorating and of spending. And uh, if that was the only job Job that she was allowed to do, then she was going to do the very best job that she could. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at the intense sorrow that she went through in her life, losing her mother so young, uh, her father not very long after it, her grandmother, mm-hmm. and then uh, her her son, her husband, her other son. I mean, to have gone through so much loss, um, she... Uh, uh, really held up very well considering all of the things that she had gone through in her life and all what she was expected to do and did not uh, conform into those expectations. Uh, Mary Todd Lincoln uh, was a a remarkable woman in her Mm -hmm. own right, uh, whether she had uh, married Abraham Lincoln or not, and is very likely the reason that Abraham Lincoln amounted to something. Uh, Mm -hmm. When uh, her sisters objected to her marrying this lanky lawyer uh, in Illinois, uh, she said uh, that, I will not marry Stephen Douglas, I will not marry these other men, because I will be marrying the future president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, she saw that vision for him and made that Mm -hmm. happen. Uh, so uh, a remarkable woman, a remarkable person. And I think that this chart uh, bears out a lot of uh, what she would do. That is very true. It is very interesting to find out that this is Mary Todd Lincoln and and wander around in these planets and not know for sure what that rising sign is. I'm not sure... If that is the right rising sign, this is one of those we might want to put into um, uh, re-evaluation, Chandler, at a future time to see when we move these planets around into different houses with the loss of the children, the loss of the husband, the loss of the mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
There's a lot going on there with loss and Pluto, 8th house stuff, 12th house stuff. So it's very interesting. I'm not sure that she did have Cancer rising, but all of the other planets, whether you know what houses they're in or not, actually connect to everything you've said. You know, she absolutely could have seen apparitions. This is a person who had a very powerful connection to the other side. Okay. And sometimes if you have no education or training and these things start to happen to you, you don't know how to explain them to people and people will immediately think you're crazy. So there's a lot of that. Uh, is there anything else about this chart that uh, makes more sense now that you know who it is? It makes everything, everything makes a lot of sense now that I know who it is. And I would think that if we had the opportunity to explore this a little bit differently, we might even get closer to a better understanding of how her life ended up the way it was. And, you know, as some people say, uh, you, you come into this life choosing the lessons you want to work with. And if these are the lessons she chose, she did a lot of work in that lifetime. Mm -hmm. A lot of really hard work. Well, uh, I think on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, this is uh, pretty close to right on the money. This is, uh, there are a lot of things that... Um, uh, I th that that are borne out here. I think there is a conflict between organization and creativity and mm -hmm. emotions and how you're supposed to express these emotions and how that comes out and the restrictions of the time. And um, I, I think that there really is a, a lot that that is there uh, uh, that that later showed itself in her life. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, that concludes uh, this episode of uh, History and Retrograde. I'd like to uh, thank you all so much for listening and uh, like to uh, point out that if you'd like uh, to support the show, we have links to all of our uh, social media and uh, email uh, included uh, in the uh, description of the show. We also have a link to our PayPal account if you're feeling extra generous. Every little bit helps us in uh, creating a better quality show and expanding our audience. Uh, there's also going to be a link uh, to a uh, special opportunity uh, if uh, any of you would like to have uh, your own uh, birth chart uh, read uh, by Chandler's mom. Uh, there <laughs> is a uh, link there to uh, the email address that you'd need to write to. That is uh, Chandler's mom at historyinretrograde.com uh, Mom, is there uh, anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, your anything that you have to say, but I would love to uh, read charts for people who are interested. There are several who have already um, uh, shown interest and have had a couple of charts done, but um, I don't have to just do natal charts. I can do synastry charts, which is like a romance kind of how do you guys get along chart? And I can do transits. There's a lot of different things that I can do. And uh, just send me an email and I will chat with you about it. 
And um, this was a really, really great choice, Chandler. I, I really admire and I'm kind of fascinated with Mary Todd Lincoln because it's like I said, I would really like to let, you know, open the gate and let this woman go and see what she does, you know, and that's clear when, you know, it's very interesting. And uh, you made a really good choice and you did some great research, Chandler. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, so, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.